come with us. Into the wild wood. And find the magic within.
Welcome, fellow travellers, into the Wildwood Pagan Podcast with your hosts, myself, Lee, Red Oak, and Rip Kai. Hello, hello. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I got it. How has everybody been? How's your week been? Um, if anybody's new or watching after the facts, then go check out the link in the description. The link tree has all of the links to Discord website, uh, etc. Um, and today we are discussing magical defense and protection, which I think is a very necessary thing to discuss. Yep. Uh, before I forget, because I do that, next week we're doing the Astro Forecast. Yep, it'll be yeah. the, the first December. of the month, first Friday. Yeah. So, talking about December. Welcome to Yolandi, Schrodinger's Cat, Richard Popamies, Luna's here, and Pamela. Hello, hello, good now time to all. Good now time. Um, Pamela is on time today, good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, if you've got any questions about uh, defensive uh, magic or protection, please throw them in the chat um, and we will discuss them. Uh, Richard said this week is insanely hot. I'm melting here. I don't know how you feel. Don't worry. And yeah, Lo Cheng has got up to stage six. Yay! Okay. Yeah, Lee and I were. Anything to anybody else? We're discussing (laughs) the weather. Uh, It's freezing here. Storm came through last night that dropped the temperature below freezing, and it's not going to get above freezing for like four or five days. So, uh, I find it hilarious how disparate we are in longitude and latitude and yet our weather matches we have the same mild periods and we have the same extreme periods <laughs> it's, it's always opposite hot and cold if it's burning hot there it's yeah. freezing cold here and vice versa but when it's nice we both get the nice weather at the same time <laughs> it would be a good balance if we could bring them both together you know, right have that nice yeah. middle comfy temperature all the time but that's not the way it yeah. works Pop me said it's snowing a little at this moment, so I am happy. I would be very happy too. <laughs> Snow sounds nice where you are. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're looking at a huge snowstorm coming, maybe this afternoon, maybe in the middle of the night. You know how it goes. Uh, mm. But um, I, I've battened down the hatches. I'm I'm not going anywhere till the snow's over because I don't need to and. Nobody around here knows how to drive when it snows. Mm. So I just I stay off the roads. If I don't ha- absolutely have to go somewhere, I'm not going to bother with it. Mm. But anyways, Good even though we're spread out all over the world and have definitely the most disparate weather we possibly can, we always talk about the weather. It's got to be a human thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good to compare. All right, defensive and protective magic. Um, actually, not sure. We we actually discussed uh, Jason Miller's book, um, Protection and Reversal Magic, in mm. one of the book talks, but I'm not sure if we've actually aired that one or not yet. Um, but, you know. I have, I have no idea. I cannot yeah, keep track not. of those. <laughs> well, uh, we'll discuss it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Landy said it sounds like Cape Town weather. Cape Town when it rains, nobody knows how to drive. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody knows how to drive in Joburg, whether it's raining or not. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Protective magic. Uh, why do why do we need protective magic? Um, let's start there. Um, I think first of all, it's because we, uh, well, we, we light up like a Christmas tree when we start on the magical path and all the natural parasites go, um, and they come along for the extra energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always tell people the world is not, um, full of fluffy bunnies and rainbows and wonderful things laid out for you. And this is true, whether it's the mundane world or the magical world life is harsh mm. um life feeds on life and you are somewhere in that food chain as humans living in societies and cities and everything else we are not confronted with that daily reality anymore you know mm. we we are at the top of the food chain we don't have any predators we don't have to worry about such things but magically speaking uh, that's not the way it goes so you need protection you need cleansing that's not to say that, like, you know, practicing magic immediately puts you in grave, terrible danger. Not at all. But it's also not a zero-risk game. There's there's plenty of junk to stumble into and get messed up with, and you need to um, take these basic precautions in order to be reasonably safe. Well, I think this is the same with anything. I mean, we're talking about driving. Um, you know, in order to be safe when you get into a car, you've got to know how to operate the car. You've got to know all the precautions that are available to you. Um, I mean, there's even um, uh, various driving, advanced driving lessons you can go for that teach you how to brake properly if you're coming into an accident. Um, yeah. You know, and avoid all of these things. So with anything in life, um, whatever it is, there's going to be dangers. And, you know, we have to learn how to uh, navigate those, those dangers. It's the same thing with this. No. Uh, Viv and Deb are here. Hello. 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 Thanks for joining. But, you know, I, I agree. When you start doing magic, when you actually um, do some grounding and centering, you actually successfully meditate. Um, you begin the process of changing your body and you move energy. Any of those terms uh, that we bring to talk about doing magic, you light up on mm. the astral plane, you glow. You will find all of a sudden um, when you, uh, you know, successfully establish a meditation practice, people will just come up to you and tell you things. People will look to you for advice. People you don't know. Uh, you know, in the grocery store in random places. And it's because you have changed your aura. You are now a shining one. You are, are putting out light. You are glowing. You are moving mm. that energy. And everything can see that. Everything. You, you are, you know, there is a permanent change. I, I know some people who've actually experienced the, um, the light and seeing the glow when they meditate or their partners have, um, especially people who uh, do a lot of astral travel when they're dreaming, that sort of thing. Sometimes they light up the room in the middle of the night yeah. because they're doing the work even though they're asleep. So 
there really is a, a fundamental change that is noticeable when practicing magic, whatever whatever means and whatever terms we use there, that's a, a universal. And all the parasites, that's what they feed on. I mean, life feeds on life. And that is an abundance of life force energy, whether you call it chi or ki or spiritual energy or a connection with the astral body, whatever it is, the awakening of the witch blood. You know, it, it is the food that feeds everything and sustains mm. everything. And there are the definition of a parasite is something that feeds on those things instead of producing its own. Mm. So you're going to get parasites. They're, they're everywhere. <laughs> they're a part of life. It's not like you're doing something wrong if you get them um, or you're um, in doing bad magic. Or I've heard this before that only black magicians get the astral parasites, only if you're doing dark, evil magic. You know, if you're doing all the, the white light, fluffy bunny stuff, then that won't happen to you. And that's not true. It really mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, but you need protection. You need cleansing. You need defense to deal with this. Um, just like we talked about last week, cleansing for the same reason we, we cleanse in the physical. We wash our hands. We wash our body. We wash our hair. We brush our teeth. We clean our environments, vacuuming and sweeping. We don't live in trash heaps. You know, all of those things. Same thing. Defense and protection will um, help cut that down. And then... The other reason is people suck. Um, yeah. Magic is not morality. Magic is a set of tools. And lots and lots of people use tools within their own morality and within their own worldview. And they're going to do what they want. You know, th there are people that use magic to hurt other people. This is the way of the world. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish people didn't hurt other people. But the fact of the matter is they do. And you need to be prepared to deal with that. Because if you're glowing like a Christmas tree and you're out there helping people and you're doing the work, you're a target for the people who don't want that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, over jealousy. <clears throat> yeah, jealousy um, is a big thing. Yeah. Luna said, my um, house has, well, it was a hub of activity when first started on path. I see dead people became the main phrase uttered by me and the kids, uh, all clean and sealed now. Yeah. Stuff. Well, and, you know, uh, a lot of witches end up in places where they are needed. The universe works that way. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really matter if you're at the right point on your personal timeline of development. Um, if you're needed, sometimes you just get put there. <laughs> And you gotta, you gotta run and catch up and develop those skills. I know that was part of my path, and a lot of other people I've talked to, you get put in the situation, and you better, you better work on those skills to get there. So, um, you, so many people find themselves in those circumstances in one way or another. I, I've told the story many times when we bought this house. 100% absolutely haunted. Everybody knew it was haunted. People were not buying the place because it was haunted. And mm. that was no big deal to me because I was like, yeah, I know y'all are here. I'm not going to kick you out to your house. You can stay. I will feed you. There will just be rules about behavior because we're roommates. 
you know? Mm. Actually, one thing that, that I see come up a lot um, in well, mostly in Facebook groups, um, somebody will come along and say they've got this this activity in their house. How can they get rid of it? Um, it seems to have become this idea that if there's any kind of spiritual activity in a house, it's evil and therefore it has to be removed, which makes absolutely no sense to me if you're practicing magic. Yep. Um, I, I agree with that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because if the spiritual activity in the house, you kind of want that. Um, it could be something bad. It could be something good. You don't know until you actually sit down and discover what it is, or ask what it is, or, you know, whatever. But people just, like, immediately go to this, got to get it out because it's, it's, it's spiritual activity and, you know, it's harmful. Yeah, um, I think that's, you know, yeah. part of that Protestant Christian worldview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they could just be trying to bring you a cup of tea. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or just, just being in the place yeah. where they have no other choice but to be. We've talked a lot about things like genus loci and spirits of place, housewives. Mm. They don't get to choose where they live or where they're attached to and you just moved into their home yeah. so you know and and they might not like you moving into their home and disturbing things and screwing up the energy and being in the way and taking away their food source and they might treat you poorly because of it i mean if somebody just showed up and started living in your house and kept trying to brush you out and then every time there was food they took it away You'd be pretty pissed. You might yell at them and throw things also. <laughs> Maybe scratch them in their sleep to get their attention. Or yell things like, get out. You know, because those kinds of experience are always the evidence for it's a, it's a haunting. It's an evil infestation. Da, 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 da. And sometimes mm. it's just like, well, try getting along. I'm not saying there's yeah. not evil infestations. There are. There are possessions there just like there are good spirits there are bad spirits there are things that um you know the the christian worldview would call demons and demonic yeah. possession and that sort of thing although that's not the way we use the word here um that's still out there it's a real phenomenon i'm not denying that exists but it, more than that exists much more than that exists yeah. and you know think about um all the many spirits that are inhabiting all the many things that you are interacting with your house has a spirit the woods that your house was built out of have a spirit you know all, all of the many things that are built have a spirit if something is created into a a thing a form there is a possibility for a force to inhabit it mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Deb actually asked, how do we know parasites exist? Uh, mostly because you've got to have a balance of everything. Um, even in physical life, you've got physical parasites. And, you know, they're there because we have to have a balance. Um, we don't like them, we get rid of them. But they've got to exist. They do have a function. Um, they're just not very nice to have around. Yeah, I mean... Parasites exist in the physical world too, right? We know that there there 
are all sorts of parasites. There are fleas, there are ticks, there are lice. There's um, all sorts of various worms that inhabit a wide variety of intestines and gastrointestinal tracts in a wide variety of animals. Life feeds on life. There are parasites that live on plants that are other kinds of plants. You know, mistletoe is technically a parasite. It does not support itself. It lives upon the life force of the tree that it is attached to. So, of course, they have um, a corresponding astral form, a corresponding energetic signature. And we know that things exist that we can't see, taste, touch, hear, or smell with the physical senses, such as gods and ancestors and all of those sorts of things. So same thing. Parasites is also just a category. It's not necessarily like um, a particular species of spirit kind of thing. It's a term to apply to the something that is feeding on life force and not in a symbiotic relationship because we absolutely have spirits we interact with that are we're in a symbiotic relationship with where we feed them on purpose but they're doing something for us um they're feeding us or, or helping us with something you know so th those we don't call parasites even though they're absolutely feeding on life force because mm. they're not um feeding to the point of making us sick or it's not a non-consensual situation. I mean, I don't know. When I get a tick, when I'm out walking in the woods, I haven't consented to the tick eating my blood, right? <laughs> that's that's not the, the situation. They just came along and got a meal. So it's the same sort of thing. And there's the same sort of scale. There are astral ticks that might just give you a tick bite and it's an annoyance for a while, but then they're gone. Mosquitoes that just take a little bit of blood and leave you itching kind of thing, but it's not a big deal. And then there are ones that may um, carry some sort of deadly virus type of energetic signature with them and cause permanent damage to your energy body or your astral body or your aura or whatever we want to call it, you know. Um, the, the wide spectrum of possibilities is not confined only to the physical material realm. Even though mm -hmm. the Victorians have bucked up that worldview for us, we're finally starting to get out of there. Saturn's in Pisces, hopefully that fixes some things, but, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's... It's like asking how do we know that gods exist, or how do we know the ancestors exist, or any other non-corporeal process. We can see the evidence thereof, and mm. we have um, lots of corroborating experiences from a wide variety of people in a wide variety of traditions and places and worldviews. Also a bit like, how do we know that the wind exists? We can't see it, we can mm -hmm. see the evidence of it. More air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? what is water to a fish? It is mm. air to, you know, a human. That we have found that mm. it's there and we are, we are keenly aware of it in the absence of it also. I think one of the understandings of the dark night of the soul is a keen awareness of divinity in the absence of it. 
Mm. When we lose that connection, we may not have realized everything that was coming through that connection and everything we were getting from it until it's not there. Then we're like, hey, I really liked that. I want that back. Mm. Mm. Uh, Richard said, Sound, sounds like uh, when I started, random people at work started asking me for advice and things. When I started shielding, some people started avoiding me. The kind of people that needs to stay away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, shielding can be very, you know, it can be a simple process of just sitting down and visualizing a shield around you. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of this stuff, um, we kind of feel it has to be this powerful, uh, I'm trying to think of the words, you know, this experience that is potent and uh, tangible almost. Hmm. It's not tangible, the shields aren't there. But um, it can really be as simple as just a simple visualization. Yeah. And those simple visualizations, when repeatedly reinforced, are much more powerful than a big one-off ritual mm. that you feel in your gut, that sort of thing. It's, it's the reinforcing, it's the returning, it's the repetition again and again. And there's a whole bunch of um, scientific research behind why that works and how that works. Uh, that we won't get into now, uh, but you might check out the book Becoming Supernatural. They go into a lot of the research behind that of we create our realities and reinforcing them every day with our actions and our thoughts. And that's, that's what reality is, the consensual reinforcement of the patterns that we decide are reality. Mm. Is that Joe Dispenza's book? Uh, probably. I don't remember the name. I'm so bad with names and faces. I'll look it Absolutely. up here. Becoming supernatural. Okay. Uh, Luna said to Deb, uh, you can see them on the mental plane, astral, if you're used to it. Mm -hmm. You can. Um, and sometimes they, they, they come across as very large, leech-like things. Uh, very, very large sometimes. Quite scary. Yeah, you're right. Um, the author is Joe Dispenza. Okay. Yeah. I actually started listening to that book, I think. I don't think I've got very far. Just give it another try. Yeah, the audio book's um, like 14 hours. Some, it's huge. But it is very long, yeah. 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 There are it's lots of summaries and, and shorter things, and you can go to the website and look at the research, too, if you're not into the, the full picture, mm. the full in-depth stuff. Mm. Uh, all right, public announcement time, or public service announcement. Uh, Jono, um, or hi Jono, Luna, Jono's home now. Um, Jono, Luna's very glad that you're home. Thank you. Public service announcement finished. <laughs> you're so weird. I love doing that, I really do. <laughs> Sorry if I embarrassed you guys, but I just... It's so cute, it really is. By having a weird uncle's like. He embarrasses you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Landy said to Richard, 
I'm used to people coming to me for advice. For some reason, they think I'm wise. If they only knew there are days I don't bend my ass from my elbow. Oh, yeah, that goes for all of us. Don't worry. Same, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, part of that is you do magic, you do meditation. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. the the wise ones, the shining ones, those who know the cunning folk. All of these terms are terms for witches for people who do magic and it's not because the pursuit of magic makes you wise we have to like actively pursue wisdom it's because we we glow we mm. look like a source of chi because we are and, and that's comforting um if you would like to live you want to be around the fountain of life right that's just you know the way it is it's, it's the natural order of things and the asking advice uh, i think that's one of those clear markers that you're doing something right not that you should be giving advice always although it's nice to talk things over and usually help people see another perspective but people random people you don't know coming up to you asking your advice on things or saying things oh i just like being around you or your hugs feel so wonderful those are those are clear markers that you are making changes in your auric field and you are changing your magical body mm. actually interestingly enough last week we um uh, mentioned gate opening um so i was i've, I've been doing some research um Trying to remind myself of particular things within Kabbalah, um, and that's actually where I first came across this idea of gate opening. Um, and it's in Eupolis's book, but uh, he came across a text. Um, if I remember the name, it's Maaseh. Uh, uh, no, I can't remember the name. Now. It ba it basically trans translates to um, the work of the North. Um, anyway. So the guy in the book um, talks about gate opening, but it's opening the gates to the Sephirah in order to pull that power, that energy to come through and develop you and then you know, spill over into your environment. And the, the, the idea is that we, we all have a particular gate open naturally. Um, and this is how we present to people around us and how they interact with us. And the example Eucurvus actually gives is quite interesting. You, Imagine like being at a party and there's one guy that everybody absolutely loves because he's got, I think it was Tiferet open. Makes sense. It's uh, the, the Sephiroth of beauty. So everybody loves you kind of thing. And he tells a filthy, dirty joke and everybody laughs and they love him. Um, but then another guy who's got Gebura open does exactly the same thing in exactly the same way and everybody hates him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when, when we come into the magical practice and we get the meditation right, we do light up like a beacon. We've changed our resonance, our, our vibration, our frequency. And so everybody loves us because all of a sudden we're the shining bright light and everybody wants to be around us. Um, so I, I, was, I was researching that and it, what we're talking about now is just I mean, practically the same thing, really. Yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah, if you're going to do. Uh, Kabbalistic work and connect the Sephiroth. Don't just jump straight to Gebra. Uh, nobody likes mm. you. 
<laughs> you, you become the uh, local asshole, no matter what group you're in, when you're channeling Gebra, because uh, that's that energy. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Deb, um, I'm so glad we can hear both of you loud and clear today. That's good stuff. I was actually going to say, if, if uh, anybody can't hear one of us, just let us know yeah. at the beginning so we can adjust. I, I did um, try to monkey around with the, the audio levels before we started, so hopefully they're good. Uh, Deb said the same here. People have come to me for solutions or guidance for my life. I think there's cats. Uh, would you say a regular being can act like a parasite? Um, a regular being being what exactly? Though? Like people? People can absolutely be astral parasites and i mean produce astral parasites right uh, that's also um one of the uh etymological um lines for calling people vampires or psychic vampires mm. um, and then there's a whole line of people that do that on purpose with consent um which again that's not I mean, it's a parasitic kind of behavior, but it often becomes a symbiotic situation mm -hmm. because there's some exchange happening instead of just removal. Yeah. But I mean, regular people can they create thought forms all the time, so mm -hmm. and those things can become parasites. Everybody creates thought forms all the time. Part of being a magician is uh, taking responsibility for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if there's more to the question, um, just let us know and we can discuss it further. Yeah. Uh, Viv said, last night while half asleep, I felt an entity hopping around my head. Um, I got startled and yelled out. Uh, now I feel bad about it. What should I do? Well, um, you don't have to feel bad about it. I mean... I, I swat at bees accidentally too, and then feel bad. You know, stuff happens. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm scared you. Yeah. Good natural reaction. So. Yeah. Um, and it depends what it is. Um, you know, what what should you do? Um, talk to it, find out what it is, maybe, um, or do some divination to find out what it is. Yeah. It could be. You know, it could be, as I said, it could be a house bird or something like that. Um, you know, it was just like passing on by. Just yeah. happened to walk over your pillow. Um, could... Yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to pursue it, the first place I would turn to is some divination, whatever your favorite divination form is, and try to figure out what it is and if it, if it stays around... Um, what kind of intentions it has and by what it is i don't mean answering like the level of choir from the cherubim it is or something like that or classification i mean is it there to cause harm is it there uh because it, it lives there is it a long-lived entity you know or is it a short-lived entity because that that comparison to our own lifespan and experience makes a big difference in how we interact with things I know um, when I say the first thing to do is find out what it is, a lot of people start wanting to, to classify it and put it in these these very, very tight classifications. And that doesn't always work because most of those classifications 
aren't actually that tight and that clear cut uh, as we encounter all the time here. You know, it's a little bit of this, but you could also say this and kind of the overlap. And, but you want to figure out, you know, is this something that's going to cause you harm just passing through? Is it, you know, a, a mayfly kind of uh, entity that lives for two weeks? Or is it the spirit of a tree that lives for hundreds of years and you're just a small little blip? Those right. kinds of things will help you determine what your next step is. Um, and your next step is entirely up to you. Do you want to interact? Um, do you want to um, figure out what's going on? Or if it's some very, very short-lived little spirit that is passing through, then maybe there's nothing for you to do. That was the interaction and it's over and it's on to something else. You don't always have to pursue every single thing either. Um, but generally speaking, for spirits in the house, I prefer to have a spot on my altar where this is where I feed you and this is where we have the exchange where I talk about this is okay behavior here as long as I'm feeding you and if you can't vibe with that then you have to get outside of the warts. You have to get out from under my protection and my assistance. And I, you know, that is a bit controlling but it is the reasonable way to live with other spirits. I do have one spirit who doesn't like to interact with any of the other spirits. He gets fed in his own little spot in the basement where he lives and he stays happy down there and doesn't fuck with people, mostly. Um, <laughs> he's still a, a trickster and a prank and I tell everybody who's, you know, spends the night in the basement. <laughs> hey. <laughs> There's this weird old dude that lives in this room. He's going to fuck with things and turn the lights on and off. Just say, go back to bed, Frank, and give him some whiskey, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, he'll pass out eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that, that is important. It's because if, if it lives there, then, you know, you want to kind of... It's actually it's actually quite a good relationship you can create with such spirits, mm -hmm. um, because if it lives in your home, if it if your home is its home, it's going to also be a protective force. Yeah, uh, it's not yeah. going to want people coming in and messing around with with your stuff, you know. Um, so you know, creating a relationship with them is good, but at the same time, you've also got to sleep. And if this spirit keeps like coming in and out and bothering you during the night going to be a problem so you've got to set some ground rules yeah um yeah. well so. and, and i find you know um when you're feeding them when you're caring for them you establish that partnership that relationship of we're in this together we're going to uh, care for one another we're going to protect our home together because we all live here and sometimes that's it. That's the extent of things. There is no like lovely familial bond or anything like that. Just, hey, you know, this is, this is, uh, we're both here. We're both caring for this land. We would like that not to be screwed up. We both want to continue to have our lives. And so it becomes an amenable roommate type agreement. And if the, the spirit is not um, openly hostile, then that's really a very reasonable, um, fairly easy place to get to. 
with the spirits that also inhabit the same place you do. Mm. Here you've got your own spirit making a noise out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Deb asked, uh, how would you know if you were being attacked by a parasite? Um, normally you would just probably start feeling low on energy. You may start feeling um, anxious or depressed, which is over and above normal. Um, I find that my, I just can't keep my kitchen clean. It's my biggest indicator is I just can't keep my kitchen clean. I wash the dishes and it just still looks a mess an hour later. Um, you know, you get so, sick and your life falls apart. Yeah. Um, if they're constant. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, that, that low energy susceptible to a lot of sickness. If you like, you're catching every single cold kind of thing, one after another, uh, you just don't have the energy to make it through things. You're just exhausted all the time. Um, you can't keep up with stuff. You can't focus those sort of things, which are uh, many of the same symptoms. If you have physical parasites too, they make you ill. Mm. And, you know, as always, when you're experiencing physical symptoms like that, go to a doctor and rule out everything else. And, you know, if, if all your labs are normal kind of stuff, then, you know, keep up on the cleansing and the, uh, the, you might need bigger cleansing and then establishing a regular cleansing defense protection practice. Mm, setting up wards and things like that. Um, Yolanda said, I have been told to picture a white light energy surrounding my body to keep away energy parasites and brackets people. Um, it works for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it absolutely works. That's a, a very um, common one, and it works very well. Mm. You know, um, uh, well, I can't remember which author, but many of the early 90s uh, witchcraft books instructed that kind of stuff in a bubble of white light or in an egg of white light or protect a shield uh, of white light in front of you um, and if it's a particular person that you know this person comes up to me and I feel so drained after talking to them that sort of thing you can mentally paint a white x over them over their face over the center of their chest every time you see them they will go away. Thank you, Harbart. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. that that absolutely works. Um, the the and it's because white is reflective, you know, which is where black because black absorbs all light and you want to take everything in. You want to be able to to taste it, to filter it, to bring it in. White reflects everything. And so if you don't want anything in, white light is, is the way to do that. Not to be a white lighter and all of that sort of thing, but it is the, the color of reflection, the color of protection, the mm -hmm. uh, nothing gets in kind of thing. Um, I actually remember Dion Fortune's book and now I've forgotten the name. Um, Psychic Self-Defense, I think. She has one, yeah. Psychic self-defense. Um, I do remember um, two things from that, very particularly, although I can't remember the, the position. 
she speaks about if you are around energy vampires um, and they're draining your energy, you cross your ankles. And I can't remember the position, but there's some position that you do with your hands. Oh. You cross your cross your fingers or something. Yeah. And it stops the energy transfer. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I remember very specifically from that was disconnecting from an energy vampire. Um, you actually psychically locate the energetic cord that, that they have attached to you. And then you take this big frigging astral sword and you go... <laughs> you chop it. Yep. I love the action. <laughs> One of the things it works very well. I do when I, you know, give someone a cleansing is I, I cut everything off. I cut mm. all of those connections off with a, a blade all around them. And then, you know, in a safe space, in a shielded space, allow those connections to reestablish that are about love and support and life what you don't want to do is cut everything off and then don't let anything reattach because you need attachments um mm. you need to be attached to other people you need to be attached to other spirits you don't want to be completely isolated that's just as depressing and um energy draining as being uh, full of parasites is to have absolutely no attachments so um, there mm. will always be attachments if you can see those sorts of things not every single attachment needs to be cut off and removed you need to identify which ones are good and which ones are bad uh what did i get to uh luna said so glad we made you giggle yes thank you very much um deborah we love you lee uh john i appreciate the public service announcement thing um <laughs> See, providing a service. Yes. Yep, that's our service. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got to tell you, you know, I, I was actually going to wear it today, but I've decided to wear it on my Ask Uncle D videos. Kyra knitted me a, um, a wizard's hat, so I'm going to wear that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> See, I don't wear them because yeah. uh, I can't get them over the headphones. <laughs> no, I don't think I would fit over these, no. Yeah. Um, Pamela, uh, have you ever done animal protection and what are your thoughts on this? Actually, an interesting question. Someone else asked me this recently. Um, but do animals get astral parasites? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if your physical animal is also housing or serving as your familiar they're mm -hmm. just as likely to pick up as much junk as you are but animals um some animals even uh you know just pets can be very defensive and very protective and will take on illnesses um just plants do it too uh, speaking of familiars familiars don't just have to be animals uh so and then you know um there are other things if you're a working magician at some point you're going to bring gunk home and mm. it may decide that you are not as tasty a meal as your loving pet or something like that so um just like i bubble up and ward all the humans in my house i bubble up and ward all the animals in my house too um i don't have any pets that 
roam. I don't do the outdoor cat thing or anything like that. Uh, so there are never pets that are somewhere without me. But I also um, always enchant collars. Just like you'd get a microchip um, for your pet in case they are lost. Um, I enchant their collars to keep them safe. Um, I often, we the two yearly cleansing protection rituals that I do for everyone in addition to daily stuff. I have two times a year where it's time to do the big cleanse and the big protection. My animals are included in that. Uh, they get the big protection that they, they will return home safe. They will always, you know, be protected. No harm may come to them kind of stuff. And I've never had an animal that reacted negatively to that energetic working. I don't force it on them or anything. I've always just been, you know, the families together doing things and eating yummy food and my dogs and cats are delighted to be included in that and usually happily curl up on my lap or nearby while I'm running all that energy and doing all that protection. They're into it. I'm sure if I had a pet that wasn't into it, I wouldn't force it on them because mm. that would just feel wrong. But uh, they seem to happily give their consent in the process. But I consider, you know, my animals as part of my family. I have deep emotional connections with them and I want them protected just like I want my kids protected, just like I want my spouse protected, just like I want me protected. So they're included mm. in all of that. Um, let's see, Luna. Um, I'm familiar with feeding deities uh, with offerings, but what would I feed other spirits? Same kind of idea, basically, but also ask them some what they like. Um, I yeah. think certain spirits, you know, certain nature spirits and stuff have a there's a, a common sort of element within legends and myths. Um, you talk about honey and milk and oats uh, things like that yeah those are very common in awesome. a lot of northern areas um, look into the lore for where you are and what the indigenous people of the land where you are fed their spirits it's a good place to start here in the mm. americas corn and tobacco are very common um, you know cornmeal is one i go to but especially if we're talking just an opening hey I want to get to know you. Uh, can we figure this out? Water. Everybody mm -hmm. needs water. Water mm -hmm. is life. Um, water is, I've never had any spirit refuse clean, drinkable water. It's always a, a good go-to, a good opening thing if you don't know what else to offer. And, and from then, from there, you figure it out, you talk, you, you communicate. And there's experimentation involved too. Um, you know, I, I have a spirit who really likes brandy, but it took a while to figure that out because the other stuff I would put out would mold and go terrible. And then the brandy would just disappear out of the glass, you know, and mm. very cleanly. So uh, there is, there is an uh, experimental element to it too. Just keep track in your journal, try different things, see what happens, make notes, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've got a spirit. I finally figured out that he really, really likes vodka. Because um, you put some vodka in the glass and it's gone in a day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also very hot at the moment, so it's evaporating quicker. But 
it goes very quickly normally you know, quicker than it should do anyway. yeah well if you want some empirical evidence you can do things like i did and pour two glasses of exactly the same thing make an offering with one of them and put that on your altar and just stick the other one in a corner in the kitchen mm. and then pay attention and see what happens mm. you know and you can see that the offering if the offering was accepted and everything else disappears evaporates cleanly or will like sometimes i have wine that kind of dehydrates itself to the glass <laughs> to always think yeah. it's funny i think the glass is full and then i look inside and it's just completely dried to the edge of the glasses and then the one mm. in the kitchen that wasn't an offering will mold will get gunk mm. in it there'll be dead flies in it and, and that sort of thing and, and it gets gross and nasty like left out food that's an offer mm. that's a um, not an offering, yeah, or it was not accepted. Mm. Yeah, because food will, well, if it's accepted, it will normally just dry out. It mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, it's it has the life essence sucked out of it. It is always how I describe it, and it looks like it's just been dehydrated mm. very quickly. Mm. Which leads back to uh, that whole water is life kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, as you said, everything needs water. Um, so having a life support of dehydrated, uh, that kind of same effect. Um, where am I? Oops, hang on, sorry, I skipped past. Here we go. Luna, sounds like fibromyalgia and EDS. I can't remember what that was in reference to now. To the feeling sick and lethargic and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, as someone who has EDS, they're different. They really are. Mm. Um, the, the exhaustion and uh, sickness that comes with uh, having too many astral parasites. Because a healthy person can have a parasite or two or like get a mosquito bite kind of analogy and shake it off. And you don't really even notice, especially if you're keeping up your cleansing and your protection and your defense and your daily stuff. You can get, you know, you can walk through the muck and clean it up in your next meditation session and be fine. It's really not a lot to clean up if you keep up on it. Um, but the the exhaustion, the sickness, the pain, the lethargy, it's different. There is a different mm. feeling to it. Mm. Uh, we've got a few things we can um, chat about and discuss. Should we have a quick break, though? Oh, yes. It's, it's getting to that time, isn't it? it it's refill time. Intermission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Intermission. Right, don't go anywhere. We will be back just now. And we'll finish up.
Welcome back. All right, so today we're talking about magical defense and protective magic. Magical, yeah. Vice versa. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, over here, Luna. Uh, I always cast circle before I sleep or when I meditate to protect myself whilst I'm not fully with it. Um, this, is, this in addition to my regular shield. Very good practice. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and I think what we should probably mention also is that, you know, when we talk about casting a circle um, in a lot of people's minds, that immediately becomes, you've got to do a full invocation, the LBRP and the BRH, and all of these rituals that take, like, can take hours. Um, it can simply be projecting a bubble of protection around you. Um, the one I use is to put my hands into the eighth chakra, as Belolto mentions, and then just pull it out and around me, and then remember to put it back because otherwise you walk into walls, uh, you get very dizzy, <laughs> <laughs> as I discovered. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. I also like um, enclosing myself with my auric shield, which I think of as very large wings that wrap around and then kind of form a big egg shape and crystallize. Um, whatever kind of visualization process you want to do, um, especially when meditating or, as you say, when you're not fully with it, when you're not going to be super present in your body, whatever that is, whether that's sleeping or meditating or astral journeying or, or what, um, having that extra layer of protection, whether that's warding, shielding, casting a circle, um, or strengthening again whatever you want to call it um however you want to go about it that's a very good practice to keep um luna said psychic self-defense is a brilliant book it's very good i must read it again keep saying mm -hmm. that yeah psychic um, self-defense by uh dion fortune and oh protection and reversal magic is that the name yeah. of jason miller's book both of yeah. those are books that I would readily recommend on this subject. Uh, just you need to pick them up and read them. They're very good mm. books, full of full of great information. Mm. Uh, and John, I said psychic self defense is amazing for these topics, especially living living human psychic vampires. Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis yeah. on that in psychic self defense, but it's um, it's something you're going to encounter. You're going to mm. encounter people that are, are vampiric. It's just the nature of things. Yeah. In fact, I, I think it was that book that she talks about other kin. Um, she has the, she, or she had the, um, the idea that um, as, a, um, as a new soul or a soul is going to enter a new body, um, it's kind of like these wires get crossed with um, an elemental being and what happens is it picks up the these, these crossed wires and that goes into the the new body so other kin people or beings are actually elementals in a physical body which is why it's so difficult for them to um, sort of be in this world because they may mm. be um, too airy for um, this world 
whereas out ourselves we have these very old earthy or a mixture of all of the elements and that's why we can exist easily here but they, they find it very difficult i'm sure that was that came into that book which is why it goes into very much the psychic vampire aspect but might be thinking of another one yeah well there um dion fortune was a theosophist or at least heavily influenced by theosophy has some mm. some weird ideas about stuff like that in there too mm. i thought it was a interesting idea then. um all right schrodinger's cats somebody close to me was infested with spirits that live in trees they were in her uterus have you heard of this before how does one protect themselves from this i'd say i've heard of that before yeah i've heard of such things um unfortunately humans that are host to uteri uh, tend to be host to lots of other things it's a organ that it's designed to grow life at the um, expense of anything else it always takes priority um, the the uterus will take nutrients from wherever it can get it its whole thing is to grow life that's what it does and if you're not um, keeping up that protection if you're not keeping up that defense if you're not keeping up that cleansing stuff takes up residence in there because it's a protective little home that grows life um, and there are spirits that live all sorts of places that live in trees that live in the ground that live in mushrooms that prefer to live in rocks all sorts of things whether or not we classify those as spirits connected to wherever they live like tree spirits aren't just tree spirits are one thing <laughs> the spirit of trees and then there are a bunch of spirits that also live in trees that aren't necessarily tree spirits but so a whole bunch of stuff like that but um this just means that if you uh, happen to be host to a uterus you probably have additional protection and cleansing that is necessary and that's a standard part of the uh, mysteries often uh, clearly included in the women's mysteries in most traditional teachings uh, just because it's that's what it does um, how do you protect yourself from this regular cleansing um, regular shielding good wards um, many traditions have additional um, protections for uh, during ovulation uh, and cleansings for after menstruation and they're connected to those kinds of processes uh, some people take up wearing certain amulets during and shortly after menstruation because that tends to be the most dangerous time because i mean the cervix is open at that time and during ovulation tends to be another time that um is more likely for spirits to take up residence because well that's when the uterus wants spirits to take up residence and, and make life and, and reproduce that's the energetic thing that's going on right then the um, receptive uh, yin qualities and some people will choose to increase uh, active or projective yang at that time or increase active or projective yin although that's really not favorably looked on and can cause other problems like gate opening to Gebra. Um, and just 
sealing and cleansing tends to be enough. Uh, you know, the good old ablutions and, and the water runs over and removes things are part of that process. So, you know, any viable tradition is going to have the, those kinds of things in its mysteries, in its teachings. Mm. Uh, Luna said, oh Lord, now I got to clean, cleanse and shield the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jono, uh, Bodden identifies a bunch of these things. Uh, things like leeches, he calls larvae. They are often associated with addiction. Uh, you guys are familiar with crawlers, uh, the ones that feed on depression. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the astral parasites feed on depression and they, they create more depression, they create fear. Mm -hmm. uh, so they can feed on, on that as well. Well, I it's... mean, the easiest way to control a human is with fear. No matter. Yeah. No matter whether uh, it's from another human or from any kind of spirit or parasite or anything, fear is by far the easiest controlling mechanism. And mm. a, a lot of the parasites, just like we call them parasites, uh, get uh, called leeches or larvae or bugs uh, because that's what they appear to us like. That's how we translate that energy into a visual representation. That's the symbol. Uh, that that force follows that we then associate with those common forms because to us the vast majority of parasites we encounter are bugs and leeches and weird little slimy things that instantly repulse us and that repulsion is built in because they are dangerous to us they are parasitic they cause us harm they cause us pain so we you know we associate that kind of force with that that form so i don't know um that they like really do absolutely take that form but we're talking in the translation of symbols we're talking in perception everything that makes it to our consciousness has gone through that translation filter even though we see in the astral and we experience in the astral it's still going through a translation filter to make it into our consciousness and our understanding. And we need to be aware of what's happening in that filter so we don't take it for reality itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is energetic beings after all. Um, we're just interpreting them in a certain way so that we can deal with them, understand them. Uh, Pamela said, absolutely love the collar protecting idea. Thank you for that. Just uh, don't put essential oils on cat's mm. collars or dog's collars or any of that sort of thing. They don't have the same livers that we do and cannot process the same toxins that we can. And most essential oils are deadly to cats. Quite a few of them are deadly to dogs. So, uh, you know, don't go anointing such things. Uh, my standard go-to for protection is rosemary and when i'm going to be you know making something to go on collars or dressing the home or something i make rosemary tea and i make it pretty weak um if it's going to be down around you know pet level because i don't want anybody getting sick mm. uh dead said oh, sorry deb said 
Um, I found a protection spell that starts out elements of the sun, elements of day. It seems to work. Yeah, I can imagine it would do. So I think, you know, when we're talking about sun and day, we're, we're bringing things into the light so we can see them. Well, and the sun is, um, you know, the source of, of white light. It reflects all things mm. and it blots out things. When the sun is up, you can't see anything else in the sky. I mean, because of Earth's atmosphere scattering the light. But that idea of the sun as protective, but also cleansing, you know, the way to get your clothes actually clean is to expose them to sunlight. That broad spectrum of light kills a wide uh, array of germs and bacteria. Uh, UV light can sterilize, but there's other spectrums of light in there that we're getting from the sun that sterilize and cleanse. So, yeah, relating to the sun, relating to that cleansing light, um, doing your protections and your cleansings when there's a bunch of sunlight whether that's the heat of the day or whether you want to catch those you know uh, morning rise rays uh, when they're soft and oblique those are all associated with cleansing and protection very much so mm. don't give yourself a sunburn but it can be uh, wonderfully cleansing to go out in some intense sun and just kind of let it steam everything off of you and cleanse everything. Um, also, to the same end, you can go uh, high speed through the rays of the sun by driving very fast on the highway. A lot of people talk about, you know, it feels really good to go for a drive. It's because you're like zooming through the gamma rays and kind of just going through a bunch of combs and cleansing everything off of you, passing through those rays as they hit the earth and you're moving through them very quickly. That can feel really good too, as can standing in a really strong windstorm and having that cleanse and take everything off of you. Mm. And the sun's also fiery. And fire we use for, for cleansing, purification. Luna said I was uh, busy burying a working burying a working in the woods. Talk slowly. Uh, when a soldier came along, I saw him approaching, so I ran a swirling, shimmering effect through my shield to throw him. He went to say hello, then looked instantly confused and walked off, leaving me free to continue. Interesting. Yep. Yep, I've done that sort of thing many times. I'm off doing something where I don't want to be interrupted and someone approaches and I'm just like, invisibility cloak. And then they're <laughs> they're kind of like, uh, mm, what? And then <laughs> walk off. <laughs> it's always nice. Actually, the, the one I usually want to come up with uh, in relation to that is um, using the element of air because um, it, it confuses the person's mind and they don't remember what they were doing there and they clear off. The problem is they go away and then they remember and then they come back and then they get confused and they go away. If they do that too many times, it can really screw up their heads. True, um, yeah. true. I mean, we, we we say that we aren't noticed and people don't observe us, but they do pick up on the fact that, like, something has gone weird and if yeah. it happens repeatedly it gets really disturbing so don't don't just glamour people because it's fun 
Although mm. I, I have done that. I was a young, stupid witch. Uh, I have done lots of stupid things. Um, but don't repeatedly glamour people just because it's fun. You can you can fuck up their lives. You can cause damage. So. Mm. Mm. Well, I do kind of pick up the glitch in the Matrix, though. Uh, Suffo is here. Hello, Suffo. And I don't know if this was mentioned, but raising your vibration will make it difficult for these energy bodies to attach to you. It's Absolutely. actually the basis. Yeah, it's actually the basis of uh, Jason Miller's book. Is that you know he starts off, and I teach this as well. Um, he starts off with the three main things: offerings, um, banishing rites, and meditation. And all three things will raise your vibration. And if I will say. If your vibration is up here, if you're at this frequency on the radio, and those little nasty things are on this frequency on the radio, you kind of pass each other by. You don't hit each other. So mm -hmm. you've got to find the right frequency on the radio station. Um, yeah. And absolutely. if we think about cleansing, banishing, really, we get down to it. It's never a zeroing out removal process it's a mm. pushing out frequency increase process you're always pushing additional energy into this space that pushes out the other stuff by creating a higher frequency uh, vibration in that space and everything else you know vibrates and, and falls off uh, i um, usually use an example in class of sonic cleansing where we put some really dirty stuff that looks like it's clean because we wiped it with a cloth and we cleaned it and we put it in a sonic cleaner and we watch it vibrate all of the gunk out you know and then mm. oh it's actually clean now because we vibrated that heavier stuff out it fell out in those vibrations mm. and, and that's part of the reason meditation is so very very vital uh it meditation is the key meditation is the main thing it is the practice that develops so many of these skills you do need other stuff with it but you can get by with just daily meditation something i actually want to discuss um, because I find it very difficult to advise people on this. Um, if somebody is having a really bad, rough time with whatever it is, whether it is an astral parasite or whether it's disembodied spirits, and it's just becoming too much and they want to shut everything down, mm. how do they do that? And one, permanently, and two, temporarily. Well... I don't know. I don't think it's actually a good idea to try to permanently shut that down. I've known many mm. people that have done it, and it's almost always led to psychosis. Mm. Or, or some other kind of illness that manifests, because you can't, you can't repress stuff forever. Um, but I do understand that impulse... Uh, of shutting it down and closing it off and my usual advice is go somewhere else go into an environment where this is not the norm 
And mm. I know that it takes a lot for that to happen. Um, not everybody has the uh, privilege of being able to go on a vacation or go to retreats or stuff like that, because that's the ideal. Go to a retreat that is designed to be a spiritual enclosure where the expectations are entirely different. You'll get a break. You'll have a chance to put your head back together and be able to come back and deal with things in a much better way. And you might need to stay away for weeks or months, ideally. And, you know, up until industrialization, this was a common practice among many people. Going to the seaside for a, a respite or, you know, taking a sabbatical or that sort of thing. And it wasn't a weekend. It wasn't a couple of days or even a week. It was often months at a time that this was done. Mm -hmm. But in this day and age, that's really not viable for the vast majority of people. It's not something I can manage, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm in a pretty privileged position in that way. But so the other thing is um, seal it up, make a oasis uh, within your home that you can retreat to every night, every evening. Um, it might include soundproofing, uh, salting and sealing up an area. And the big thing is you need a doorway. You need a passage. You need a something to cross through into this new realm. Uh, you can hang a curtain. You can build an artificial archway. But you need a physical doorway um, of some variety. And when you go into the new area, new expectations, new understandings, new vibrations, only, uh, you know, the good things will happen here, only this certain kind of music, only these certain kind of smells, only these certain kind of drinks. Usually I don't advise food if you're doing it in an area of your home. It's not an area for eating. Um, no uh, toileting activities involved in that area. Uh, and that can help provide kind of a bit of a bubble to mm. engage in meditation, engage in deep breathing exercises, and help you get a handle on things and get back to stuff. But I find that's a better practice than trying to shut it down and, and cut yourself off. Because, again, in my experience, those activities don't work in the long term and lead mm. to some kind of sickness, psychosis, cancer, that sort of thing. Because it's trying to repress an energy. It's trying to take the water that is flowing through and just dam it up and pretend now there's no pressure and it's gone. And that's not mm. the way it works. Um, you need to learn to control it. You need to learn to establish boundaries. I also find that the majority of people who are in that it's too much, it's overwhelming, I can't deal kind of thing have very poor boundaries. Um, yeah everywhere in their life. I have been in that position where, you know, I couldn't say no to anybody. I couldn't say yes to myself. I just had mm. shitty boundaries all around. And developing good boundaries while you develop a sense of self-worth and control, while you have a space to raise your vibration and have some downtime and some real rest, that's the overall get better long-term solution to it 
and mm. it's not easy. Um, usually you need someone else to help you through a good chunk of it. Because if you're at the point where you're frazzled and you can't deal, you don't have the skills and the bandwidth to mm. do more. Um, so, you know, that's usually where you call someone in to come cleanse your house or to set up that kind of space or um, you attend meditation classes. Somebody else holds that space, holds those boundaries for you while you develop those skills. It's a tough place to be in. It really is because you have to you have to learn new skills and make yourself better while you're very weak and sick. That's the problem. I mean, you, the energy is usually very low, so trying to cleanse after parasites, they just come more and more because they see a weak, weak person they can mm -hmm. easily feed off, um, and then it just gets worse and worse. Snowballs, very difficult position to be in. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think the other other side to that is you know we're talking about someone who is magically inclined, but you get people who have no interest in this stuff and they just start getting attacked and they seek out a person to help them get rid of it because they're not interested but it's going to keep coming back yeah <laughs> because yeah. it's just the just the, the person they are that's another one which is very difficult <laughs> i know people really don't like to hear it but um we don't get a lot of choice in the matter um, yeah if you're destined to be a spirit worker, sorry, tough titties, you're going to be a spirit worker. Um, the spirits are going to keep coming back. You can slam as many doors as you want and do as many cleansings as exorcisms as possible. But until you figure it out and start doing your job as assigned mm. by the universe, um, it's just going to keep coming back, unfortunately. Um I spent a good 20 years saying I didn't want to do divination. Bunch of bullshit. Doesn't work. I mean, who who could think that you could turn over some cars and make up some shit by looking at pretty pictures and it means anything, right? <laughs> Ridiculous. And what the hell do all of the planets that are thousands of hundreds of thousands of miles out there have anything to do with what's going on in my life? Some crazy ass crap. That's how I became an astrologer and a tarot reader. Because <laughs> resistance is futile. <laughs> unfortunately, you will be assimilated. And it's also how I ended up becoming an exorcist. I didn't really get a choice in the matter. It's not something I wanted to pursue. It's not something, um, you know, that was like, ooh, I, I think I should be dealing with people's terrible problems and extracting all of this crap out of their lives and cleansing things and cleaning for them. I still don't like doing it, but I'm good at it. <laughs> so, and people come to me in need, and um, when I don't help them, the uh, universe smacks me around a bit for such things until I get yeah. back in line and do my assigned duty. <laughs> <laughs> so there is the way it goes yeah i just there are some things you can't deny and ignore and, and mm -hmm. some people have you know made a career out of burying their head in the sand and, and that's fine people can do do what they want with their lives mm -hmm. but 
I really do think that we have destinies. We have things that we are here to do that we must do. And it's going to keep coming back. And if you keep shutting the door and you keep denying it and you keep trying to avoid it, it's just going to get louder. And it's just going to get worse. And it's going to get more intense until you surrender to your fate and get on board. It it, it sucks. I completely agree. I, I don't want to. But... Um, it doesn't matter if you don't yeah. want to. <laughs> it it really doesn't. Sorry for you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I think most people I know that, you know, are doing the work, whatever their piece of the work is, have that kind of story. Of, oh, yeah, mm. this happened to me when I was younger and I tried to deny it or I didn't believe in it or whatever. I tried to shut it down and then it kept coming back and eventually I listened or surrendered or tried it out or, you know, however that is. And here we are, mm. Hal, having this talk. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Schrodinger's cat said, I was taught to go inside a stone in order to disappear from the awareness of most other beings. That's a good idea. Mm. I mean, reminds you know, reminds me of a keep coming back to Peter Padden's podcasts. Um, I remember the one he was talking about finding a guardian within a stone. You actually sort of have the a small stone in front of you, but you shrink down really tiny, teeny tiny, tiny, until you find a big opening within, which is now a mountainous, um, you know, thing. And then you go into the stone and find a guardian within the stone. So, kind of neat practice. I don't remember that. that from his podcast. I'll have to go back and review. Hmm, cool. Hmm. Well, you know how Very it is. Practice. You read things, you listen to things, and you get 10%. And then you got to yeah. go back 10 more percent. <laughs> Do it all again. <laughs> Try again. Try again. <laughs> Uh, Richard said, okay, yep, I ignored it for about 20 years and it came back like a sledgehammer. 20 years of missed experience that could have helped me better now. Yeah. Well, the, way, yeah. the way things progressed the way they were supposed to progress. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know it can really feel like um, you missed out or um, you should have spent that time better or, or whatever it was, but don't let that hang you up. You're there now. You're doing no the work regrets. now. Because, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the regrets and, and that sort of thing, it doesn't help anything. And really, time's not real. So you can just go <laughs> live those 20 years in another way while you're dreaming. Um, slip into dark time, redo it, change your previous mm. timeline, be in a new spot. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Neonites here. Hello. Hello, hello. Kindly, kind everyone. How are you today? Very, very hot. Very, very, very cold. cold. <laughs> <laughs> such is such is the joy of the polarity of our weather. <laughs> I've got my little heater on under my desk, and my toes are still cold. It's just not cutting it. Mm. 
because it's um ooh it just got above freezing ooh. like a minute ago ooh. <laughs> wow <laughs> ooh, wait oh hang on a second oh look it just got above boiling <laughs> <laughs> right <sighs> yeah i've got my phone right here next to me <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it or not. Um, yeah. So, um, in addition to the two books we recommended and regular cleansing and meditation practices, I think it's pretty essential to have warts. Um, yeah. Which is some sort of magical boundary around your property, living space, where you regularly inhabit. I would also add it can also be appropriate to set wards around your space at work if you have like an office or um, a cubicle or something like that where you're in one space at work however that needs to be pretty small because you don't want to make it so other people just straight up can't be in that space but wards are um pretty essential I think to protection. There's lots of different ways to visualize them and lots of different ways to use them. Many people use them much like a spider's web in that if something touches it you feel it. It's connected to you or you somehow get notified. Something like that is set up in the process. Wards can also function like fences to keep people or other beings out. This is the line you cannot cross. Uh, mm. Words can also function as uh, energy panels and collectors. I have words around my property that are designed so that if anybody throws gunk at me, and a lot of people do, well, you know, sling some magic and some evil eye and some owl blinking, those words absorb it and charge up other stuff. Mm. Which is a very useful way. So there's lots of different ways to conceptualize them. Layers are really handy. You know, do all three and more. Um, I have some words I think of as like the bomb sheltered doors. When things are bad, when the wild hunt comes through, um, when the witch wars flare up, I, I drop the bomb shelter doors on my wards and it's a nothing gets in, nothing gets out kind of situation at that time. Of course, I don't keep that up all the time. That wouldn't really help anything. But, you know, there's lots of different ways to conceptualize those. Uh, you may want to have servitors or familiars or your fetch involved in the process of making and or maintaining those wards. Uh, you may want to uh, establish timely rituals to renew, refresh them. Uh, a lot of people like to do it on the new moon uh, because it's the new cycle. It's the beginning of things. People also like to do it on the full moon as connected with that bright illumination. Nothing can hide on a full moon night because it's the midnight sun. And so you can see things all the time. It kind of depends on what you're going for, what you're connected to, but set up something that involves timely renewal and checking things. Um, it also might be less often than once a month. Um, I have those two big rituals that I do every year that are connected to preparing for winter 
and preparing for summer because when we prepare for winter we also do all the things like drain all the hoses outside and, and winterize things for freezing and prepare uh, for winter seal up the windows take our air conditioners out that sort of thing and so that's when I do that kind of cleansing stuff and then spring cleaning when you're preparing everything to open up the house and go outside and I do that kind of cleansing and protection stuff those are natural spots where that fits in to my cycle of life so think about what those cycles are for you and where that would would fit in and then personal protection much like we set up wards for living spaces and places where we are we set up shields around ourselves and our loved ones um, I've protected my kids and my animals and my loved ones since I started protecting me um, I've put protection in amulets um, in bracelets uh, through little uh, grigri bags um, when we go to big rituals and that sort of thing and we don't know a lot of people and they want us to all come and be in ritual and mingle our weird and I'm like fuck that um, <laughs> I lock up everyone's chakras with certain symbols that I draw on their bodies so that they're protected and their weird doesn't get screwed up um, you know there's a lot of points to think about where protection comes up uh, when I worked a day job and had to go into an office I always wore bracelets that locked me off from feeling everybody else's stuff and from them seeing that I was someone to constantly come to with um, mm -hmm. you know because the first couple of days I didn't when I when I got an office job and was in a little cubicle doing customer service and on my breaks there would be 20 people trying to tell me their dreams or ask for advice or whatever and I was like I just want to go be in nature and stand in the grass and smoke a cigarette don't talk to me you know <laughs> so I quickly learned that I needed to to shield up and hide and damp down my energy so I could go to work and and people would leave me alone so you know think about those things put those practices in place uh, a lot of it is visualization meditation reinforcing um, and, and just like you have any kind of um, physical protection if you protect yourself from the elements by putting on a jacket or by wearing sunscreen or carrying an umbrella you need to think about the corresponding protection that goes along with that in the energetic or the magical realm. You know, are you mm -hmm. going to go uh, hiking through the woods where there are snakes? So you put on your high ankled boots so that a snake can't bite you if you accidentally see one. Okay, what's the magical equivalent of that when you're going to be out on public transport or dealing with, you know, a bunch of people? You don't want to step on and get bitten by a snake, right? So armor up so that if they do strike you and you do make a mistake, you don't have terrible consequences from that. Yeah, I think it's also important to keep checking um, what you've actually done because, you know, you don't want to put up the shield to block everything up because you've just had enough and then just forget about it. Because then you're walking around and now nobody's talking to you. Nobody's interacting with you. Your friends aren't calling. Um, and then all of a sudden you realize, crap, I put this thing up to shut everything out and I have. So keep checking, you know, sometimes you need to let it down a little to let somebody in or what have you. Yeah. Um, 
but those you know those just adjustments can be made not one or the other yeah and uh, um yeah. like with everything else you're probably going to swing the pendulum too far in both directions until you figure out what your middle line is uh we've all we've all gone too far both ways so don't don't beat yourself up for making those mistakes it's pretty much the only way to learn this stuff is to figure out your own boundaries and your own happy middle ground where you want to be by figuring out where you don't want to be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Neo Knight said, I thought that for a long time, and I'm still sad sometimes that I didn't start practicing earlier. But then again, I think I wasn't ready in the years before I started mentally and emotionally. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, yeah. If you're not ready, you know, the, the spirits are kind of going to come along and go, you know, there's time, let's go for it. <laughs> but other times for other people, they're going to recognize it's not the, the, the right time for them. So they'll stand in the background and wait. Um, but then they'll start knocking on the door and then smashing it down and saying, hello, I'm here. Um, <laughs> well, they might do it for, for like 20 years, who knows? <laughs> Before they smash it down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ania said it's very cold over here too. Uh, let's see, Richard uh, replying to Nia. Nia replying to Richard. Um, Deb, my, I'm not how, sure how to say that. Futera. Futera, uh, perennial coral bells have not gone dormant. That's still colored. They're still colored to the leaves here in the midwest i have some orums that think it's spring out there i don't know what they're doing i mean yes that is where i feed the fairies so i kind of expect it to be weird but it's weird enough and big enough that people are noticing <laughs> <laughs> they're tropical plants it's freezing outside they're fine <laughs> how did you do this oh it's the fairies don't worry <laughs> I mean, there's little mushroom statues right beside it, and <laughs> you know. But I mean, that's the thing. If you're doing magical something magical in a particular space, it 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 shifts it out of yeah uh, into a different space and time, um, which can get quite interesting. Uh, John has said this heat wave is rough. My shield is always changing. I let it happen naturally in my mind. This week, I've been building my shield out of ice cubes. It's helped a little. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It does help. Um, mm. Controlling personal uh, area body temperature is definitely something to practice with your magic because it's pretty easy to have the feedback to know what's happening. And it is a really handy skill to have. To be able to cool yourself off when it's just too hot and be able to warm yourself up when it's just too cold. Um, mm. Most of my experiences with warming myself up, um, just from things like, you know, having a job where I had to work in freezers and, and walk in refrigerators and that sort of thing, and being a fairly cold-blooded person anyways. So um, being able to do that fire breath and, and warm the self and that sort of thing. But... Uh, you need the the same proportion on the other end to be able to cool yourself and decrease your heart rate and slow things down 
that that is involved with the cold so both very good practices to um, develop and and have those skills when you need them mm -hmm. uh deb said wonderful cycle of cleansing here in the midwest when winterizing your garden and spring when it is rebirth yeah figure out figure out what works in your life and where those would slot in if you have holidays um that that makes sense for put those practices in with those holidays if you have other practices you know mine aren't six months apart on a solar cycle they're like maybe four months apart bracketed around you know the the winter dark time practices so just wherever works for you um but again go back and check go back and review this is a daily upkeep uh kind of situation mm. uh luna said uh Jono suggested i might i make might nighttime shield from egg boxes to block out the din of the magical whispering that's <laughs> I have uh, definitely surrounded myself in soft, cloudy, fuzzy kind of energy in order to, you know, dampen down the noise and the ambient din of things. Um, it, it's really nice to be in the clouds for a little while. <laughs> Not permanently. Absorb the sound. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lady Capera has made it. Hello. Hello, hello. A bit late. <laughs> a wizard is um, never late <laughs> uh, Deborah said my gardens are magical some people call me a witch <laughs> um, Jono I'm so grateful to the universe I only found the path about four years ago while the karma I would have approved the rituals I would have performed nope 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 that's the reason for a teacher. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Teachers uh, take on that that karmic debt, karma. that uh, responsibility um, for you floundering around and figuring it out. Uh, they give you that space in order to be able to to make those mistakes and and sort that stuff when you wouldn't have the skills to handle the back end of the conversation. You get a chance to develop mm. those skills and your teacher takes on, hey, <laughs> takes on that responsibility um, and, and handles that back end of stuff while you're learning. So I, I think that necessary exchange has been lost um, quite um greatly on a massive scale for a lot of people because they're learning from books they're learning from TikTok, they're learning from youtube and they don't have a bond with a teacher that can provide them that protective space and a lot of people don't realize that that's one of those necessary functions that having a teacher is part of uh, providing yeah. that protection providing that defense yeah. But at the same time, uh, a lot of people who are labeling themselves as teachers don't know that to begin with. Um, so they're either not doing it or they're doing it and screwing themselves up. Yeah, that uh, too. Because they don't, 
they don't know it, they don't understand it, because it's spoken still a lot uh, in the Eastern traditions, Hinduism and, and, and such, uh, you know, what we say, the guru takes on your karmic debt as you're learning. Okay. Um, but that crosses over all boundaries. So, you know, any teacher who takes on that, that spiritual teaching is going to take on the karmic debt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know it. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people are setting themselves up as teachers and don't really know what they're teaching anyway, so. Yep. Yep, that's for sure. I'm sorry, folks, but uh, you can't learn it all from books. No. There's a lot to yeah. learn. There's absolutely a lot to learn from books. And I'd never say to avoid them, but you can't learn everything. Yeah. Uh, actually, talking about that, um, one of the first things I remember learning from someone about you was that when you you take on a, or a teacher takes you on or you join a coven or a group or something and you have the high priest and the high priestess or magister whatever title they're giving themselves you immediately fall under that person's protection uh -huh. um and i get up you know when i start teaching people one-on-one -on -one, i get a lot of them saying but this bad thing's going to happen to me if I do this. What if, uh, you know, I screw up here and I'm, I'm like, you immediately fall under my protection. Um, so don't worry about it. Go and make the mistakes. Go and, sh you know, screw up because you've got to do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How else are you going to learn? And it's not that you don't experience any consequences. There are yeah. still consequences because, yeah. I mean, that's part of, part of the process of learning that you need. But your teacher functions as a shield functions to keep you out of the really terrible life destroying consequences that would prevent you from being able to continue on um, because part of the training you need to be a teacher is learning to uh, handle that sort of stuff and deal with those big things you know and, and one of the ways traditionally it was done um, that we see even show up in modern Wicca that's still there is the measure. That's part of the reason the measure was taken and then given to your teachers, to your priests, your priestesses. Um, so they had the thing to keep you safe. So they had, you know, that measure functions as the um, interim body, as where something's going to strike before it hits you. And mm. it's also something you can keep protection over, something you can keep um, energy flowing through. Another job of a teacher is to make sure that you are provided with the energy and the fire under your ass, basically, that keeps you engaged in learning. Because if you're just going alone, you're going to go six to nine months uh, of novelty and interest, and then the grind hits, right? And it kind of the, the fun of it wears off for a little bit and you'll stop. You'll stop pursuing mm. it because you're hitting the parts where it's really hard and it's really difficult and you're slogging through and you're not getting much return for your work at that point. And part of your teacher's job is to provide the, the energy and the um, fortitude, the will. I mean, you extend your magical will over your students so that they can draw from it and have that extra energy to get over that hump and get through that grind. 
and not be stopped in what is, you know, the climb up the mountain. So there's mm. a lot of a lot of things that happen between teachers and students that aren't just about the communicating of information. And it's definitely yeah. not about the exchange of secrets. We talked about secrets and why things are oath bound and why things are mysteries before several times. But there's a lot of other stuff going on uh, in that teacher student relationship. Actually, I remember learning from you some 20 something years ago. Um, in some covens, they, they actually shut off when somebody new comes in, they actually shut the chakras off. Mm and they slowly open them up as new information starts to come in so they don't get the student doesn't get like bombarded yeah um and I, I actually remember learning that from you at a time when i was trying to help somebody there was a woman who'd been in a coven uh and the guy was the high priest he ran the whole show and just had women in his coven hmm. and he would shut off the chakras in order to control them yeah uh, he would control their dreams and everything else, and she was two or three years down the line, and she was in a hell of a state. Yeah, that, that'll mess mm. you up hardcore. Mm. Uh, all right, back to the comments, and I think I've lost my place. Um, oh, yeah, me and I. I definitely need to practice shielding. We'll, we'll just wait for the coughing. You're okay there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, I definitely need to practice shielding more because strangers love to tell me their whole life story and problems. Always charm things. I always charm things. I wear daily for protection from negative energy flow. Uh, but need to work on shielding skills additionally. Yeah, it's a necessary part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I charm all sorts of stuff that I wear, including for shielding and protection. Um, Luna? Uh, no, John is not on about the learning curve. He's on about all the dark love spells he does. <laughs> uh, yes, Luna. Said Johnny. Uh, Lady Kapara said Guru Guru equals from darkness to light. Um, Deborah said seeing the positive results from doing a protection spell is so pleasing. Okay, I think seeing the results from any spell you've done can be very pleasing. Mm -hmm. It's it's really cool when you're like, it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Um, Not only did it work, but I did it right this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nia, oops. Nia said, I was excited to see you now offer personal mentorship from the monthly subscription, Lee. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd like to do that one day. That's something I think I announced today. Yesterday, I can't remember. Um, I've always been a solitary practitioner so far, but would love to learn from a teacher like you one day to add to my own research and experimenting. I think it's a very necessary part. Um, and that's actually that I mean, the teacher doesn't need to be, it can come in a variety of different ways. Teachers, I've had teachers that um, I, mean, I may have spoken to like once or twice or 
um, over Yahoo groups and whatnot. Um, Peter was a teacher for me. Uh, I did speak to him quite quite regularly, um, but it wasn't anything formal. But you know, we'd, we'd exchange some kind of information every now and again, and it was it was valuable information. Yeah, and there's also probably lots of people that you've met that could be or would be your teacher that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. um, talking about it or formally offering it. I mean, that's an available avenue too, but um, it is very much uh, part of the Christian worldview to think of covens as churches and coven leaders as preachers and therefore transfer that to teachers and high priestesses. And that's not, not the way it works. Um, mm. You know, uh, entering into that formal agreement can be very important, but also, um, you know, if you are attracted to someone in the way that they seem like a grandmother or a grandfather kind of energy, that's that often that teacher relationship. Don't get it mixed up with family bonds. Um, that's another thing that happens because of the Christian worldview is the auto application of um, that uh, family story over the top of it because that's part of the the Christian process to replace the family with the church and uh, mm-hmm. replace all of those kinds of things with the church. The church becomes a new family. God becomes a new father figure, all of that sort of stuff. And that's not the way it works in a pagan worldview, but um, many people that will, you will feel that they're protective, they're um, giving of their wisdom, they've got that kind of um, safe feeling, loving feeling energy about them, you can often um, realize that they may be able to become a teacher for you and you can ask them. at some point when it's appropriate in your relationship, if they would teach you. And it doesn't have to be in person, uh, although there are some things in some traditions that really do have to be done in person, uh, but that person's tradition will dictate that. And um, just because someone is a teacher doesn't mean they're also not a student. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, all um, are students. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, um, the good people, the good witches, the ones you can trust, they're the people that say, we're always students, I'm always a student. That's one of my mm-hmm. my hallmarks for somebody who's actually really doing the work, because we're always learning. And um, let me tell you something, if you find yourself called to be in that position to be a teacher, and some of you will, just like you'll be called to be a diviner or a spirit worker or other things, um, you're going to learn stuff because you learn your material very well by having to try to explain it to someone else. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's actually one of the reasons I enjoy doing my YouTube channels because I get asked a question, I've got to try and explain it. And through explaining it, I understand it better mm-hmm. because you kind of put the little pieces together in your head so that you can vocalize them. Yeah. Very good process. Was actually something that Eucorbus used to say to me. He doesn't want to be called a teacher or a mentor. He is simply a guide. I did like that. I thought that was good. Yeah. 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 Well, many of the the covens that I've been in or uh, leading over the years, I've always emphasized that, you know, once you get some knowledge under your belt, those basics, you know, 
you know, and you start adapting that worldview and making those basic changes, time to start teaching. Um, not others uh, outside, not setting yourself up as a teacher of a tradition, but you need to come to Coven Night and present on whatever, um, you know, astrological aspects or ritual format or um, what, you know, invocation or, or whatever the, the topic is that you're exploring. And again, in that safe environment um, where you're not going to lead anybody astray because you do have a teacher, guide, guru, somebody sitting there who can make sure you're not providing misinformation, but you'll get to know your subject very, very well. I think that's a really um, essential function of a coven is that process, being able to go through that teaching process without the danger of providing misinformation or leading people down the wrong road. Uh, all right, I think we're coming to the end of today. Um, let's just see, Jono, I think I've heard around the same number of stories of teachers and covens being awful and toxic as I have of them being good. It's dangerous getting into shared spirituality. Mm. You got your good people, your bad people, you got your good groups, your bad groups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, okay. um, you know, uh, gossip travels faster than light. So, <laughs> mm. but yeah. yeah, I think we've talked about many of these things before and what to watch out for, uh, how to find a good teacher, how to find a good group, that sort of thing. Uh, Richard said, you know, uh, some of the greatest teachers have been one of lessons from mental people experiences. Everyone can teach something. Sometimes it is what you avoid. Yeah. yeah. Discernment. Discernment is a very important aspect of protection, actually. Very important. Um, yeah. Uh, Neo Knight said, I always appreciate when teachers admit when they just don't know the answer to a question and need to research it, research it themselves instead of trying to hide that. Yeah. And what, yeah. what you might also find is that they may not know the answer, but they have come across enough information to be able to direct you or guide you to a good source. Because mm -hmm. uh, it might not, it might be something they haven't really been particularly interested in themselves, so they've got the basic understanding, but they can't really teach it, but they can send you in a good direction. Um, all right, I think that's it. Okay. So, oh, sorry, my butt's getting numb. Um, all right, thank you everybody for joining us today. It was a great chat. Yeah, thank um, you, everyone. So I hope you will see, we'll see you next week for the Astro Forecast for December. And thanks everyone for sharing your stories and participating in the discussion. And as always, if you want to continue the discussion, join us over in our Discord. Um, there's lots of people there um, that I'm sure have many wonderful experiences to share. They just need a, a good question to open up. And I'm sure lots of people there that could teach many things. Um, so hint, hint, poke, poke, share some stuff. I know you all are, are wise and have walked your paths and have experience and wisdom to share with everyone, and I'd love to hear it. Mm, okay, thank you. Thank you, everyone. everyone. See you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye-bye.